0: Section 14. Europe and the Faith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Europe and the Faith by Hilaire Belloc. Section 14. Chapter 3. Concluded alaric does not lose his commission even after his second adventure he begins to intrigue between the western and eastern heads of the roman empire the great invasion under radagasius interrupts this civil war that invasion was for alaric of course as for any other roman officer an invasion of barbaric enemies that these enemies should be called by this or that barbaric name is quite indifferent to him they come from outside the empire and are therefore, in his eyes, cattle. He helps to destroy them, and destroyed they are, promptly and thoroughly. When the brief invasion was over, Alaric had the opportunity to renew the civil wars within the empire and asked for certain arrears of pay that were due to him. Stilicho, the great rival general, himself by the way of vandal in descent, Admitted Alaric's right to arrears of pay, but just at that moment there occurred an obscure palace intrigue which was based, like all the real movements of the time, on differences of religion, not of race. Stilicho, suspected of attempting to restore paganism, is killed. In the general confusion, certain of the families of the auxiliaries garrisoned in Italy are massacred by the non military population. As Alaric is a general in partial rebellion against the imperial authority, these auxiliaries join him. The total number of Alaric's men was at this moment very small. They were perhaps thirty thousand. There was no trace of nationality about them. They were simply a body of discontented soldiers. They had not come from across the frontier. They were not invaders. They were part of the long-established and regular garrisons of the empire, and, for that matter, many garrisons and troops of equally barbaric origin sided with the regular authorities in the quarrel. Alaric marches on Rome with this disaffected Roman army, claiming that he has been defrauded of his due in salary, and leaning upon the popularity of the dead Stilicho, whose murder, he says, he will avenge. His thirty thousand claim the barbarian slaves within the city, and certain sums of money which had been the pretext and motive of his rebellion. As a result of this action, the emperor promises Alaric his regular salary as a general, and a district which he may not only command, but plant with his few followers. Even in the height of his success, Alaric again demands the thing which was nearest his heart. The supreme and entirely Roman title of Magister Militum, the highest post in the hierarchy of military advancement. But the emperor again refuses to give that. Alaric again marches on Rome. A Roman officer, followed by a rebellious Roman army, he forces the senate to make Attalus nominal emperor of the west, and Attalus to give him the desired title his very craving for which is most significant of the Roman character of the whole business. Alaric then quarrels with his puppet, deprives him of the insignia of the empire, and sends them to Honorius, quarrels again with Honorius, re-enters Rome and pillages it, marches to southern Italy, dies, and his small army is dismembered. There is the story of Alaric, as it appears from Documents, and as it was in reality there is the truth underlying the false picture in which most educated men were recently provided by the anti-roman bias of recent history certainly the story of alaric's discontent with his salary and the terms of his commission his raiding marches his plunder of the capital shows how vastly different was the beginning of the fifth century from the society of three hundred years before it is symptomatic of the change and it could only have been possible at a moment when central government was at last breaking down but it is utterly different in motive and in social character from the vague customary conception of a vast barbarian invasion led by german warlord pouring over the alps and taking roman society and its capital by storm it has no relation to such a picture if all this be true of the dramatic adventure of Alaric which has so profoundly affected the imagination of mankind, it is still truer of the other contemporary events which false history might twist into a conquest of the empire by the barbarian. There was no such conquest. All that happened was an internal transformation of Roman society, in which the chief functions of the local government, fell to the heads of the local auxiliary forces in the Roman army. As these auxiliary forces were now mainly barbaric, so were the personalities of the new local governors. I have only dealt with a particular case of Alaric because it is the most familiar and the most generally distorted, a test, as it were, of my theme. But what is true of him is true of all other auxiliaries in the armies, even of the probably Slavonic vandals these did frankly loot a province north africa and they alone of the auxiliary troops did revolt against the imperial system and defy it for a century but the vandals themselves were already before their adventure a part of the imperial forces they were but a nucleus for a mixed host made up of all the varied elements of rebellion present in the country and their experiment in separation went down at last for ever before the imperial armies meanwhile the north african society on which the rebels lived and which with their various recruits moors escaped slaves criminals they maladministered and half ruined what was and remained roman in the case of local italian government the case is quite clear there was never any question of invasion or conquest Odoacre held a regular Roman commission. He was a Roman soldier. Theodoric supplanted him by leave of, and actually under orders from, the emperor. The last and greatest example, the most permanent Gaul, tells the same story. The Burgundians are auxiliaries, regularly planted after imploring the aid of the emperor and permission to settle clovis the belgian fleming fights no imperial army his forebears were roman officials his little band of perhaps eight thousand men was victorious in a small and private civil war which made him master in the north over other rival generals he defended the empire against the eastern barbaric german tribes he rejoiced in the title of consul and patrician there was no destruction of roman society there was no breach of continuity in the main institutions of what was now the western Christian world. There was no considerable admixture, in these local civil wars, of German, Slav, or outer Celtic blood, no appreciable addition, at least, to the large amount of such blood which, through the numerous soldiers, and much more numerous slaves, had already been incorporated with the population of the Roman world. But in the course of this transformation in the fifth and sixth centuries, local government did fall into the hands of those who happened to command the main local forces of the Roman army, and these were by descent barbarian because the army had become barbarian in its recruitment. Why local government gradually succeeded the old centralized imperial government, and how, in consequence, there slowly grew up the modern nations, we will next examine. The end of section 14. The end of chapter 3.